Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You've heard me talk about this before. If you're not going to apply the Word of God, there'll be a time when you will walk probably away from God. Now, some of you will remain as a carnal Christian, a baby Christian, but many, many people do not remain. These people didn't remain. They weren't teachable. Jesus was teaching them amazing things, but they weren't interested. They were only interested in the physical. And here's their attitude. What can you do for me now, Jesus? You ever wonder why someone would choose to walk away from a relationship with Jesus? Setting aside things like bad experiences with churches, why would a person come to Christ, experience the freedom that comes from knowing your sins are forgiven, and then turn back to their old way of life? In Pastor Mark's teaching today, you'll hear about a group of people who said that they wanted to follow Jesus, but when it got tough, went back to their old lives. You'll be given the warning signs to look out for so that you can keep from leaving the way of life and returning to the path of death. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in John chapter 6 as he begins his message, Bread of Life. You can turn to John chapter 6, if you will. Sometimes today, many people look at God as a public supermarket, a Kohl's, a Walmart. Some people look at God as a heavenly lottery. Well, 2,000 years ago, the names of the stores changed, but the principle was the same. Man is always focusing on the temporal things of life. And that's exactly what was happening. When Jesus began his ministry, crowds began to follow him. And you'll see their heart, their motive. And before we get to it, I want to challenge you a little bit. Because as we look at this, sometimes we go, what's wrong with those people? But the hard thing is you will see A little snapshot of you and a little snapshot of me as we go through the same things. So you don't need to write this down, but you do need to understand where we're going. And this is where Jesus is really going. Remember, man is a threefold being. Body, soul, and spirit. The soul is our mind and our will and our emotions. The body is our physical being, the flesh, our five senses that we have. And then, of course, the spirit is the real you and me. And that spirit is what relates 
to God. And of course, that's the difference between an animal and a human being, is that spirit part of us. Now, when man was created, he was created in this order, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit part of man ruled, this was before there was sin, and God was in contact with man. And as that began to happen, there was intimate fellowship, just like you're experiencing in the morning. When you get there, you have to get your body there. That's why you have to have a little coffee to wake your body up or tea. You have your soul, your mind, and you there, and you have your little cheat sheet on the side. So if you have to write, I have to go visit a doctor, you write that. But then the spirit part of you begins to relate to God. And that's where we grow in that area, which then turns around and affects our body and our mind. The peace of God comes, the wisdom of God comes, and our body is affected as well. But when man sinned, that order of spirit, soul, and body, well, the spirit went to the bottom and the body went to the top. Because of that, man is now ruled by his flesh. Woman is now ruled by her flesh, that body part of us. And as we battle with that our whole life, it when we came to Christ, there was a reversal back to the things of the spirit. But we're always battling that body, that flesh of raising up. We won't go into it, but you can just read the first seven or eight or nine verses of Romans chapter eight, and you'll see that battle that continues in our life. Now, because of that, man without God focuses on the physical, the temporal, not on the spiritual, and definitely not on the eternal. If you go down to South Miami, it isn't spiritually focused. It's on the flesh. Go to Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's not spiritual. That's the fleshly part of man. Now, turn to John 6, if you will, and we'll begin at verse 22. Let me give you a little summary, and then we'll uh, be walking through this. Earlier in John 6, we, in the first 21 verses, you know the story well. It's the miracle of the feeding of 5,000 that took place on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, during that day, Jesus was teaching all day long. Sometimes we forget that. He was teaching the spiritual aspects of life. Jesus was the best teacher there ever would be. And then as it got late, you remember that people needed food and the disciples had pretty much no faith. And Jesus said, just find somebody, let's go out and see what you can find. And they came back with the five loaves and two fishes. And as you know, Jesus then fed the multitude. It was a supernatural miracle. They sat down in orderly fashion. Twelve baskets left over. The disciples went. They loved it. Now, this is the only miracle other than Jesus' resurrection, which appears in all four of the Gospels. So it was a huge, huge miracle. And the signs that Jesus performed there, plus many others, always were attracting these crowds. What happened is, you'll see as we move through here, Jesus would supply the need of these people. And 
at the end of that day, the people wanted to make him king. And what were they focusing on? The now, not spiritual. King, get us out of Rome. Get, get that over with. So the Bible says that Jesus withdrew from them. He wouldn't even entertain that motion. And then the second thing that happened in those early verses, if you remember, Jesus sent his disciples back to Capernaum, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. They were in a boat. And what did Jesus do? He went up to the mountain to pray. Now, as they were headed out, you remember what happened. Two more miracles took place that evening. One, the storm came up, and Jesus saw that. The disciples were going to drown. So miracle number three of that day came walking on the water. And then when he got in his boat, what was the next miracle? He said, peace, be still, and the storm stopped, and they were at the shore. Now, it's very interesting, as we go through this, the people that were on the other side of the shore, they didn't know about these two miracles. But what happened is, look at verse 22, and you'll see where the people's confusion is. Now, the next day, day after what I just explained to you, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite side of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. So they knew that Jesus wasn't in that boat. There weren't two boats there. There was just one boat. So they said this. Then some boats from Tiberias, which would have been a little more south, Landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were with them on that side, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. So these people, realizing Jesus isn't there, they want to find Jesus. And you're going to see in a moment their excitement, their following, what's happening. Now, The contrast is huge. I do want you to write this. The contrast in this passage that will lead us up to the statement of the great statement, I am the bread of life. The contrast is this. It's about the physical and the spiritual. And the second thing the contrast is about, it's the here and now as we're doing life right here while we're alive on the earth and eternity. So both of those are going to be in focus as we go through this passage of Scripture. Now, these followers discovered that somehow Jesus, they don't know how, got to the other side of the lake, Capernaum. So they quickly walked back to the other side in searching for Jesus. And they took boats, they came back, they found their way around the shore. Now they were searching for Jesus for lots of reasons. But the main reason you're going to see, Jesus had fed them. This was a free lunch. It was kind of like the social program they'd been waiting for. Food provided for us daily. We don't have to do anything for that. Now remember, food, just like in our day, is a huge thing. We're all hungry. It doesn't take long. You eat Chinese food, think you can't eat anymore. What happens in about two hours? You know exactly what happens. You're hungry again. You got to have some more. So look what happens on verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, when 
did you get here? Notice they call Jesus rabbi, a teacher. But you're going to see they haven't learned anything from him. That's not because his teaching was bad. They weren't teachable. We'll see that they don't really believe in his teaching, yet they call him rabbi teacher. I thought about that a lot the last few days. You remember the definition of a disciple? A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. And we won't get there tonight, but the end of chapter 6, almost all of these so-called disciples walk away from Jesus. They leave him. So much so that Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, are you going to leave me too? Remember Peter? Another good statement from Peter. Well, Jesus, where would we go? You're the only one that has the words of the life and life eternal. There's nowhere to go to. So these people, they call themselves disciples, but they weren't learning. So this is a challenge for me to you, and I just want to do a congratulations, because you are getting it. You don't get to see the change, but I see it, and it's continuing to happen. Ever since we started focusing on you and I growing and being disciples and learning, this church has changed dramatically. That was a word that God gave to me a few months ago that I shared with the elders. That, that focus, again, was to come back and get us understanding what it is to be this disciple so that we could not go out and just make converts, but every single one of us could go out and be involved in that process of making disciples. Now, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while. But I just want to say to you, you are getting it. We are getting sticky. We are learning to apply the truths. You've heard me talk about this before. If you're not going to apply the word of God, there'll be a time when you will walk probably away from God. Now, some of you will remain as a carnal Christian, a baby Christian. But many, many people do not remain. These people didn't remain. They weren't teachable. Jesus was teaching them amazing things, but they weren't interested. They were only interested in the physical. And here's their attitude. What can you do for me now, Jesus? Do you realize that a huge number of people that come to churches, that's what they say. What can you do for me? They never come saying, well, what could I do for you and for other people? So Jesus is going to struggle with this. And I think it's a good thing for us to challenge our own self. So they ask him a question. When did you get here? Look at verse 26. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Isn't it interesting? They ask a question, Jesus doesn't even answer it. He says, who cares about any of that? So immediately, he takes a look at their heart. Now, what I think is also interesting is, he says, You saw miraculous signs because you ate the loaves and the fishes and had your fill. He could have seen. And the disciples saw two more miracles since last night. I walked on water. How did I get here? I walked on water. You say, what? And remember the storm that was out there in the sea last night? You saw it from the other side. How did it stop like that? That was me. He doesn't even go there. 
That's Jesus. See, he's not promoting himself. He's just going to answer the question the way he wants to because he's looking into these people's hearts. So from the outside, these people come all the way around the Sea of Galilee and they're jammed again. Almost every place Jesus went, it was jammed. Now, from outside looking in, what would you say the ministry of Jesus was? Was it mildly successful, just so-so, or was it incredibly successful? What would you say? Incredibly successful. Remember the time that Jesus was at the house and four guys came with their friend and they had to take the roof apart to get him down to see Jesus. There was no room, couldn't get in the house. You know, we have that same mentality today. I talked about it a few months ago. Because we're one of the largest churches in the United States, among many others. We think we're successful on a weekend because we have a lot of people. You're going to see Jesus' ministry was successful in God's eyes, but it wasn't successful with man. And that's when God began to deal with me. We don't mind crowds. We love people. But that's when God began to deal with me. We have to get back to making disciples. See, healthy sheep will then reproduce. We get the things in the right order. Not just standing and go, wow, look at the people. We had to build another sanctuary and another. Nothing wrong with that. We love it. But understand, Jesus' ministry wasn't successful. In the eyes of man, it looked like it. But really, from his viewpoint, what he's saying here is, looks real encouraging, but it's not really encouraging to me. Look what he says. I tell you the truth. You're looking for me, not for the right reasons. You're looking for me like I'm a Publix. Or like I'm a Walmart. So, what does he say to... You might say, well, Pastor Mark, that's pretty harsh from Jesus. Now, remember, the word is given to correct us and admonish us sometimes. As well as encourage and uplift. And Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Speak the truth in love. Ever had to do that? I've spoken the truth, not in love. So have you. Sometimes I won't speak the truth because I don't want to hurt a person. But if I speak the truth in love and God says to do it, that's the right way to approach it. See, if we're not corrected, we can't correct. So he's saying in love to these people, an amazing correction. So here's what I want you to write because it's good for you to remember this. We'll see this when we get over into John chapter 15, back there again, that every disciple is going to be pruned. Now take a look at this. Jesus knows our motives, whether they're right or wrong. He knows your motives. By the way, that's one of the great things that we're going to be judged at when we get to our judgment. The judge him see to Christ. That, he's going to look at our heart. What he's saying to these people is this. Your motives are wrong. They're selfish and temporal. It's just about your body. It's just about you. So when I get up in the morning and have a quiet time, do I get up in the morning because I have to? Or if I'm a mom or a dad and I want to challenge my sons and daughters, do I do it because I want to make sure they see me doing it? Or do I have a quiet time because my wife wants to make sure I'm doing it? I got to make sure she sees me or my husband sees me doing it. You see, if that's the reason we're having a quiet time, 
Motives are wrong. If I have a quiet time because I have to, wrong motive. I should do a quiet time because I get to. That's where the joy comes. That's where the blessings of God come. As you serve God, do I give of my time, my energy, effort, because I get to serve him or like I have to serve him? And we try to challenge you because sometimes you'll go to a church and they'll say, you got to give, you got here's the envelope, whatever, all the rest of the stuff. Well, people do that because they're, they have an envelope with their name on it. They have to give. We don't want you giving like that. God doesn't. God loves a cheerful giver. So see, our motives are huge in all of that. What happened is they'd miss the real meaning of the miracle. They focused on the bread. How many like bread? I was going to have Peggy make 100 loaves of homemade Italian bread, but I didn't do that because you guys wouldn't have listened to me the rest of the whole night. I was going to get one of those big, you know, when you go to San Francisco, get big one of those sourdough babies, Bodines, you know, whatever. I put that sourdough right here and put a fan here and just blow that sucker right out to you guys. Would you be on the spiritual or would you be on the physical the rest of the night? You already know the answer to that. What happened that day is they come back. See, all they learned that day was the bread was good. They were supposed to learn that Jesus was good. But they didn't learn that. Because they were thinking only in the physical realm. Then we have a really interesting contrast in verse 27. Jesus says this. Now do not work for food that spoils. Let's just stop right there. Food that spoils. How many of you have a chemistry lab in your refrigerator? Is it best, Mark? What are you talking about? I'm talking about how many of you are growing penicillin on that little dish? Come on now. Every once in a while you have to go back in, don't you? And there it is. Somehow you have a roast beef from three and a half weeks ago. Look at that sucker back in that corner. So what Jesus is saying is the food that we have physically, it will never last. It always will spoil. So he says, don't work for the food that spoils, the temporal only, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you. So here we have work. And we have will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Remember when that happened? Jesus was baptized. This is my son on whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus contrasts here physical food, which is a result of working. And when we do that, it perishes quickly with spiritual food that comes by God's grace. And that spiritual food lasts forever. Today, Pastor Mark taught about walking away from Jesus. You heard about the people who were following Jesus until he talked to them about the personal cost of following him would be. You learned about the danger of chasing only after physical gratification rather than chasing after God. You got to see the danger signs of being on your way to leaving a relationship with Jesus. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue his message, Bread of Life. You'll hear about Jesus' disappointment with his followers because they were seeking him only because he'd met their physical need. You'll hear about the importance of having the correct motives for following Jesus, following him because you want to, not because you feel obligated to follow him. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd